Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is none other than Joyce Martyr. She's author of the new book, The Financial Mindset Fix. Uh, basically, look, guys, we for years, and, and we start the interview in this place, so I'm not really giving anything away. But for years, it's like, you know, if you get enough money, you'll be happy. This flips it on its head. It basically says if you're happy enough, you will get uh, you will get enough money. It, it, it flips the concept on its head, and it is definitely worth listening to. If you are the kind of person that is always trying to find the best way to hack your brain, the best way to, to give yourself that, uh, that edge as you go through life, this is the interview for you. She is very, very smart. She has been coaching clients for years, and uh, she's giving it to us in this book uh, and in this interview. So, so really looking forward to checking that out. Of course, I've got two quick pieces of intelligence for you guys to put in your pocket, share with your friends, whoever you want with. But before we do that, before we get to any of this, we got to hear a quick word from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This part of Intelligence for Life, the podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, Rocket can. All right. Thanks to all of our sponsors. And here we go. Two quick pieces of intelligence. If you want your brain to work better all day long, I do exercise in the morning. I sometimes do. That's according to the University of Western Australia. They found that adults who engage in moderate intensity workouts in the morning have sharper brains the rest of the day. The scientists found that morning exercise elevated a protein called brain-derived neurotropic growth factor, which helps neurons survive and thrive, and levels of that protein remain high for eight hours after a morning workout. As a result, people who exercise in the morning have better concentration, attention span, executive function, like decision-making and working memory, which is how we store short-term information. So if you need to be at your best mentally, take time for a morning workout. Uh, you know, I often put my workout off until the end of the day, and now uh, we can't do that anymore. So there you go. Do your workout in the morning. You'll be better all day. People could always tell if I've worked out in the morning. They can, when they see me, they're like, oh, you worked out this morning, didn't you? There's just a, all of that stuff I just talked about. There's, there's just an air of, of sharpness that comes when, when, when you are... Uh, you know, when you've worked, when you've exercised. All right, here we go. When was the last time you sipped on something pink? Well, if you want to run faster, jump higher, cycle longer, go for a drink that's pink in color, no matter what kind of drink it is, from pink lemonade, strawberry shake, you know, strawberry protein shake, pink colored water. That's according to research from the University of Westminster. They found that pink drinks boost performance by more than 4% by increasing feel-good hormones, making exercise seem easier. And it's all just because the color pink makes us feel good. For the study, scientists added a pink food dye to water, and not only did the study subjects think the drink was sweeter because it was pink, even though no extra sweetener was added, the participants also had increased feelings of pleasure and ran faster and farther on a treadmill after drinking it. So if you want to enjoy exercise more and go farther and faster, sip something pink. Who would have thought? I know Starbucks has a bunch of pink drinks, so maybe you can get one of those. I'll, I think all of my pre-workouts, when you dissolve them in water, they look a little pink. So there you go. Drink something pink, uh, exercise in the morning. Drink something pink before you exercise in the morning, and you're going to have the best day ever. Folks, that's it for a quick piece of intelligence. It is now time for, and I'm very excited to bring this to you. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this, my interview with Joyce Martyr. Joyce Martyr, uh, you, you're a lot of things. You're you know, adjunct faculty at the Family Institute at Northwestern University. You're a psychotherapist. You're, uh, you're an entrepreneur. You're the founder of Urban Balance. But most importantly, you're the author of the new book, The Financial Mindset Fix, A Mental Fitness Program for an Abundant Life. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We really appreciate you, you being with us. 
Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Um, your main thesis in your book, and I, I and I know you, you know obviously you spell it out differently, but your main thesis is that in your experience as a counselor, you've seen the more people unpack their baggage, the more they find their happiness, the more money follows. So that it's 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 kind of the opposite of what we think. A lot of us, especially in Western society, we say, okay, when I get that salary. That's when I'll be happy. And we're always left with that wanting that next level thing. But your thesis is it's the opposite. It's when you find happiness, you get that salary, right? Yes, absolutely. So a lot of times people present for therapy and they want the perfect job. They want the perfect relationship. They want the perfect body. But I really believe that when we look internal and we're willing to look at ourselves and do our own inner work, then the outside reflects our inner sense of self-worth. And so something interesting that I noticed in my practice is that regardless what my clients came in for therapy for, whether it was depression or anxiety or relationship issues, as they made progress in therapy, suddenly they were getting promotions, they were seeking better jobs, they were starting side hustles or new businesses, and they were making more money. And we weren't even talking about money. Mm. So I was like, huh, like, why is this happening? And it's because we were always working on their sense of self-esteem and self-worth. And so they started changing the way they thought about themselves, removing those ceilings that we all set for ourselves through limited self-beliefs and limited thinking. And they started behaving more assertively in their relationships and in their workplaces and accessing support and all the things that I suggest in my new book and and really achieving a life of holistic success and mm. wellness. So I've had I, such the blessing of counseling over you know, thousands of people from all different walks of life and seeing universal truths about life's challenges and what helps people overcome them. And I've identified 12 mindsets that I really believe when practiced lead to better mental health and better financial health. And I had a wonderful researcher, Simon Golden, help me on my book and he found empirical support that in fact, these 12 mindsets do lead to improved mental and financial health. And with the pandemic, obviously we were living through a mental health epidemic even before this. And it was like adding gasoline to the fire. And so many of us, I mean, we're living through a global trauma, are dealing with massive stressors Mm. from a mental health perspective, from a relationship perspective, and from a financial perspective. And so my hope and dream is that my book will be a resource and a help to so many people who are looking to get back on their feet, improve their mental well-being, and recover financially, because this has been a really tough time for so many folks, just devastating. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on something in there. I think we were, I mean, I personally, I think it's it's our addiction to phones and comparison culture that comes from social media like i think our mental health was on a dive before the pandemic before quarantines hit and uh, i think we have a lot of fake, we have a lot of fake connections you know we have we have a lot of superficial feel like we are way too attached to to other people's behavior we feel insignificant in our own and, and i feel like social media just is an avalanche of that 
Um, Absolutely. But, but this made it worse. Like what we just experienced, what we've just been experiencing has made all that worse because our only interactions are virtual. Yes. Um, yes. So uh, how do these 12 mindsets, and I want to get into the mindsets. I mean, obviously you got to buy the book if you really want to unpack these 12 mindsets. I'm not going to talk about anything but that. However, I do want to get into these mindsets, but how does that, uh, how, how do these mindsets begin to unpack this sort of mental health dive that, that we've been in for a long time? In many, many different ways. So you just gave two great examples. And one was the comparison on social media. And so there's a chapter on ego versus essence. And we all have egos as part of the human condition. And our egos make us feel either superior to others mm. or inferior. And many times we deal with imposter syndrome and perfectionism and you know, we compare our insides to other people's outsides. We look at their right. Facebook feeds and we think they're all doing great. And There's I'm that famous good. line, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20, you know, where you like, Definitely. you see, you see Jeff Bezos has created this thing and you're sitting in a tiny office. You, you got to compare your chapter one to his chapter one, not his chapter 20. We're all on different points of our trajectories to success. And we, we can't compare ourselves to other people. And the other piece about uh, being, you know, hooked on technology all the time, I have a chapter on cultivating presence. And in the mindfulness community, we know that grounding ourselves in the here and now through meditation, progressive muscle relaxation, the power of the breath. I love apps like Calm and Headspace. Yeah. You know, it, that's so important to disconnect from technology connect with nature, and connect with our deeper selves. So presence and essence are two of the mindsets. Some of the others include abundance, which I talk, I use techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And CBT is one of the most empirically supported forms of therapy. And it shows that our thinking precedes our emotions and our behaviors. So in order to change our behaviors financially or in our relationships or at work professionally, we have to change our thinking. And for many of us, that, that means expanding our thinking and moving past these barriers we've set for ourselves. And it also means silencing our inner critic. I have another mm -hmm. chapter on self-love and how to work on your relationship with yourself so that you know that you're deserving. Susie Orman, the financial guru, said that she has discovered that, that self-worth equates net worth. Interesting. But at a certain point, net worth does not lead to self-worth. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we were talking a little bit beforehand where, where this notion of uh, uh, m the money-happiness correlation um, and, and you kind of turn it on its head, you know, it, it's often said that there is no correlation between money and happiness, but I, the, some of the research that I've read, um, says that there's a cor a strong correlation between money and happiness up until the point where your needs are met. Right. So yes. that when you want one, but once we're above that line where you're, where you're able to, uh, say quite easily clothe, uh, shelter and feed yourself, and then also have a little bit of extra disposable income for, for entertainment. Once you've hit that point, the correlation between like what you're saying, what Susie Orman said, uh, between net worth and self-worth is 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 not there, except in the inverse, that self-worth correlates to greater net worth. So um, let, let's talk a little bit more about that. Why does 
why doesn't more money make us feel better? And why does feeling better make us more money? Like I, I like uh, th- that seems like a weird thing because we. Uh, I understand why. I mean, I understand why making money. I I, I think I would may, feel better about myself if I made more money. So I, I that doesn't that uh, doesn't seem logical to me. How do we unpack that? Right. Absolutely. Well, first, I'd like to address the first population that you mentioned, which is the people maybe making less than, let's say, $70,000 a year who are living paycheck to paycheck, who are maybe short on their mortgage. They haven't been able to pay it. They're behind on their rent. They've been dealing with unemployment. This book provides really practical tools and exercises that, again, the research supports in psychology that will actually help you improve your mindset so that you you can also improve your financial life. Mm. So that is my hope for, I think, the majority of Americans need the book in this way. For those people who are in the privileged place of having financial success at a certain point, this book can help you have what I call an abundant life, Mm. which is having deep connected relationships, having love in your life, having a support system, having your personal health and well-being, having your mental health and well-being. We know a lot of people who are very, very wealthy, but they still deal with anxiety, depression, addiction, relationship issues. And so this book shares how to cultivate those other aspects of Mm -hmm. abundance and a truly prosperous life. And there's a chapter on compassion and I, I really support conscious capitalism and businesses that, or people who are successful to become th- philanthropists and mm. to give to others and to mentor. And by being of service to others, that makes you happy. Mm. So yes, you can stagnate in your wealth <laughs> if you're not giving back and doing good in the world and part of a, a greater system of, of giving and receiving. And so I think if we all do our work and we end up in careers where we're really blossoming and being our best selves and aligning our gifts with a need in the world, and we do that in the biggest way possible, it's going to have a ripple effect in our communities and, and maybe even globally. So you, I mean, so this idea of like abundance mindset can be a little woo-woo, right? We can, we yes. can hear that and go just like, if you if you think it, you can have it. It gets into like the secret, right? Uh, yes. But but what I hear you saying is that there's just there's more to it than that. It is about finding this outpouring of yourself that you can put into all of these other areas and and having those real connections. And, and how do you begin to cultivate that when we're so connected to material wealth being the the uh, being the 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 this the, the milepost of abundance, right? And then, right. and then, and then, but yet your thesis is also that material wealth comes when you've attached yourself to that mindset of abundance. So, so help me, help me get rid of the woo. Help me get rid of the woo woo. Like, yes. uh, so to get yeah. rid of the woo, chapter number two is responsibility. You have to do the work. You have to take responsibility for yourself. It's, it's not just the laws of attraction. If you think it will come like the secret, I do believe in having positive energy and mm. things like that and putting mm-hmm. yourself out there. But abundant thinking, for example, if, if somebody says, well, I have a story in my own life where I, when I first started my practice, I met with my buddy Steve for coffee, who was also starting his own private practice. 
And he said, hey, Joyce, how much money do you want to make? And I hadn't really thought about it. And I said, this was 1998. I said, it'd be really great if I could make $60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I had just had my first daughter, and that would be enough to kind of make ends meet in my household. And he frowned, and he was like, 60? He said, oh, I want to make over 100. And I said, well, do you think that's possible? And he said, of course that's possible. And that year, Steve made, I made 60, and Steve made over 100. Wow. And he went on to win Shark Tank. He's been on Oprah's Favorite Things. He's enormously successful. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I, am I setting my own ceilings? So the next year, I said, okay, I want to make 100. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and started believing that I was deserving of that and changing how I was relating in my business and opening myself up to more prosperity. It takes confidence to do that. And so it's scary. It's a process. And I made a thousand mistakes with my business, but I started it with $500, 50,000 of student loans. I put a $50,000 lien on my house at some point during the business growth. I went through cash flow hell, lost a business partner because we were in a really bad state. I thought I'd have to file bankruptcy. And persevered and made it through and was able to sell my business for over 5 million uh, or when it was grossing over 5 million rather um, several years ago. And so I never would have thought that that was possible. I never thought that that was something that would be available to me. Mm. And now I'm, I'm so passionate about empowering others. I love being a therapist. I found it emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually rewarding and such a blessing to get to know people on such a deep level. I am really passionate about destigmatizing mental health. Mm-hmm. I have I deal with an anxiety disorder. When I was in graduate school, I was really afraid my professors were going to say, "Oh, you can't you can't be a therapist if you're clearly anxious yourself." And I had I've done a lot of work in my own therapy. I think we all need it at different points in our lives. And mm-hmm. we all have mental health issues, just like we have physical health issues. Mm-hmm. And there are tools. We don't have to have shame or secrecy about it. There are tools available. And I include a ton of them in my book, a ton of exercises that are simple and practical and really effective. And again, empirically supported that they're going to help you move forward in your life. You mentioned in there, that's a beautiful story, but you mentioned in there sort of the ups and downs and meandering path to success that you found. So you start off, and I I, I hear what you're saying, like, if you tell yourself, boy, $60,000 is the most, then boy, will $60,000 become the most. I get that. Yeah. So now you've expanded your idea that like, okay, I need to be seeking out things that are going to get me from the $60,000 ceiling to the $120,000 ceiling, the $200,000 a year ceiling, right? Like you're, you're going to start expanding your mind and say, okay, if it's possible, how do I get there? And I, and I sort of see that connection. But you described a meandering process that included setbacks, cash flow problems, risk, a whole bunch of things. So, so a lot of us here, I just told myself I was going to make more money and I made more money. Um, yeah. How do you maintain that positivity? How do you maintain that focus when you are dealing with the setbacks? Because that would be very reinforcing for the negative if that, if, when you experience that, right? When you have to Absolutely. take money out of your house, that's reinforcing the negative mindset. Totally. And I'm so glad that you asked that. And I think 
there are a few things. You mentioned positivity. That's one of the mindsets. And in that chapter, I talk about expanding your comfort zone, which is uncomfortable and it takes effort. And I, I give a lot of tools for support on how, what people can tap into and what they can do mm. to be able to do that. I also have a chapter on detachment, which is a mindfulness practice. I'm not talking about detachment, like not caring or right. being disconnected, right. but being able to have risk tolerance, like you, you mentioned. Like, like poker okay, players have. Yeah. But poker players, I mean, when poker players are play, professional poker players, they're betting $50,000 on a hand. And then if you're at the World Series of Poker, you know, the chips are kind of mean, but you, you, $2 million on a hand. They have to detach themselves from what $2 million means in opportunity costs. Like $2 million is a house. It's, it's several yeah. cars. Like you can't, yeah. you can't have that mindset when you're, when you're putting the chips on the table, so to speak, right? Exactly. I remember when I took out that $50,000 lean on my house, that loan, I told my best friend, Sherilyn, that I was having difficulty sleeping at night. I was having insomnia mm. and major fin financial anxiety about it. And she said, would it help you if I told you my husband has 200 million in loans? She said he's not happy unless he can't sleep at night. But he, uh, he's able to detach from that. And of course, he's enormously successful in commercial real estate. Yeah. You have to have some ability to separate from that. And in mindfulness, they talk about non-attachment. We are not our bank account. Mm -hmm. We are not our, our personal appearance. We are not our, our job title. Sure. We are the deeper entity within. And if we can really operate from that place of, of alignment, I, I believe that we can have far more success. But the most important answer to your question is the last chapter, which is on resilience. Yeah. That's the last mindset. And all of the other 11 mindsets before that are empirically proven to build and foster both mental resilience mm -hmm. and financial resilience. And so resilience is the ability to bounce back. It's the ability, failure is part of success. We all have rejections. We all have those setbacks. And it's the like ability what, to recover and move forward. Is this like what Angela, you know, Angela Duckworth's book, Grit? This, and, yeah. like, and there's a lot of books that were written subsequently about that. Is it, is it similar? Or it's, it's that 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 success is so predicated on a, a number of factors, but that is the number one, is that ability to get up and keep going even during setbacks? I mean, is that essentially yes. where, where resilience lines with? Grit, absolutely. Uh, one of my friends accuses me of psychotic optimism, <laughs> you know, which I, I hear that, you know, entrepreneurs that are successful are tenacious. Yeah. Like we don't give up and you just, you keep going, you persevere. And it's that art. Uh, I wish I could think of it exactly, but there's a Chinese proverb that, you know, basically is like anyone can own, start a noodle shop, but keeping it open is, is the challenge, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's what you need to learn. And, and there's always those setbacks and, and they're scary. And now we're talking about, I mean, we were talking about the mental health epidemic. Many people are having suicidal ideation yeah. from financial anxiety. They're anticipating more what they're calling deaths of despair. I mean, it's very scary and very, 
very alarming and concerning. And so I'm hoping that my book will help people know that they're not alone and that, you know, I think all of us suffer from various mental health issues at different points in our lives. And it's understandable to feel afraid, but there is, there is hope and there's, there's support available. And, you know, again, I think we can all benefit from therapy or counseling at different points in our lives, no shame, no stigma. And it's a lot more affordable than a lot of people think due to mental health parity lots covered Mm -hmm. the same. And now it's over telehealth and many insurance companies have waived the cost of telecounseling entirely. So Mm. uh, it's great. And there's pro bono places and sliding fee resources as well. So that I mean that's that's really important destigmatizing mental health and I, I think if you're listening to this and you're struggling with with the kind of with the kind of I, by the way I am a big fan of uh, of therapy in general right like if it, you know, yeah. any, getting that stuff out and 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 dealing with it is is only going to lead to to better things and having a, a therapist that you resonate with is just is just good um, it, you know yeah. so so I I support that notion yeah. and I and I think it's great for anybody that that that. Uh, you know, what you just mentioned, all the ways for people to be able to get access to it. And I think there's no, no better time than now to start doing that. Because again, telemedicine, we're all stuck at home. You can do it from the convenience of your own living room and, and get talking to somebody. And, and you know, the nice thing about that is you can just, if you feel uncomfortable, you can just quit the, the session immediately. You don't have to awkwardly walk out of the room. So, you know, you take, <laughs> right, whatever, whatever it is that's your barrier to entry into, into helping yourself get clear, you're helping your your mind get clear that 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 you know uh, you can you can fix that by doing it via telemedicine, which I, I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, you, baked into that is this reinforcement though of uh, of negativity. When you are isolated and alone, you are reinforcing the idea that you're isolated and alone, and that can lead to the suicidal ideation. Yeah. Um, when you get setbacks, you're reinforcing this idea. You you talk about your your uh, uh, audacious or crazy optimism or oh know. yeah, psychotic optimism. Psychotic optimism. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so you talk about your psychotic optimism. Uh, how do you balance optimism, realism, and the feedback loop of experience? You know how do you how do you self evaluate and and know your skill set and know which way to lean. Because you're not saying I want to be a, a neurosurgeon with my psychology degree. You are Correct. saying I want to take my knowledge of of human behavior and expand my practice to this point and expand my understanding of people and my businesses in this way. So how do you how do you do realistic self evaluation and maintain the kind of uh, psychotic optimism that is required for success? That's a great question. I think mentoring is really important. When I look back at my career, I've had so many mentors and coaches and people who pulled me up, who have inspired me and believed in me to take me to that next level. Mm. And one of the mindsets is about support and how to access those relationships that will lift you up and how to work on your network and things like that. And I think when you have a good mentor, they give you honest feedback on what, what are your strengths? What are your areas of deficit? None of us is perfect. We're all works in progress. Right, 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 right. So it's about really looking at those strengths and aligning them with a need in the world and to the greatest extent possible. So yeah, you have to be realistic and, and grounded in reality in that way. But I think, you know, we experience like, for example, my book, 
was rejected by countless publishers. I've been working on this for 10 years and I, I kept on working on it and rewriting mm-hmm. it and, and working on it. And now I am publishing with Sounds True and it, mm-hmm. I couldn't be more happy. And I believe it's coming out just at the perfect time to help people most. Yeah. So all things happen for a reason. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's just, it's very hard to stay in that. Like when you go through, when you go through periods of extreme rejection, right? I mean, it's, it can be very difficult to stay on that mindset of, no, this is really what I want. And what I hear, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to like summarize some of this. So, so the, the more you are in touch with your essence, right? The more you're in touch with, with separating your ego from who you are, which is kind of ironic since that's the idea of where Freud came up with ego. But the more you can separate the sort of like modern notion of an ego of, of being self-obsessed with who you really are and what really makes you feel alive and where real happiness is. And then you get that confidence. And that confidence helps you expand into an abundant network and with abundant connections and expand to, hey, this is what makes me feel alive. And that sort of abundance mindset shows up when you've started to connect to that. And then now you have a network in place, you have an abundance mindset in place, and that network and that mindset helps you to connect with what the best course forward is so that you can weather those resilience. You can can build that resilience. You can weather those setbacks and you can say, no, you know what? This is who I am. And just because that publisher doesn't see it yet, it's their problem and they are going to kick themselves later for not investing in me Really, it's like uh, the the high school basketball team that cut that cut Michael Jordan, or the publishers that rejected Stephen King, or you know, like the the investors that didn't that refused to invest in Google, like all of that yeah. stuff. You 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 people that kick themselves as time goes on, and you just yeah, have to I, know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be their story where they go, dang it, I could have published Joyce Martyr's book. That's so sweet. Thank you for saying that. And that, what a beautiful summary of the thesis of the book. I I think that's beautiful. And I would add that a big piece of it is also developing Mm self-compassion, you know, turning down the volume of our inner critic and learning to be our own compassionate advocate, our own parent, our own best friend, and shifting that relationship with ourselves so that we're not beating ourselves up. We're not bringing ourselves down. It truly is a choice to shift how you treat yourself. And that has an enormous effect on your relationships yeah. and your career. So a lot of people have trauma, have yeah. parental experiences, maybe not even what what traditionally would be called trauma when it comes to parents, but just like, you know, Deidre, you're not a great actress. I don't know why you're going out for the school play. Just little uh, little lines that parents have said or or friends have said where you're like, oh man, you're really singing off key, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden for the rest of their lives, they believe that they can't sing or they can't do whatever the thing is. Yeah. How do you, un- I mean, aside from, aside from getting involved in therapy, which I think is, is a big part of this, how do you begin yeah. to unpack that for yourself so you can, you can get over that, that binding that, that, that experience has put on us? So I call that part our inner saboteur, and it's the voice of any critical parents. And we absorb that. that. We We absorb that critical voice. And you, I mean, some people will talk about they can hear their mother's voice when they are reaching for the donut. They can hear that that friend in school who made fun of them for wearing a pink shirt. Definitely. It is traumatizing. And 
And we internalize that. And then we speak to ourselves in a way that we wouldn't speak to anyone else or Mm. they wouldn't be our friends. Mm. They wouldn't like us. And so we have to, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, we become aware of our self-talk. And through cognitive restructuring, we can change those belief systems. We can identify irrational belief systems that we have about ourselves that are setting limits for ourselves. And in the awareness chapter, I talk about how we're all shaped and molded by our earlier life experiences, and we unconsciously recreate what's familiar until we become aware and we choose something better. So a lot of us come into our careers because of our family situation. Sure, sure. Therapists, a lot of us have been through our own stuff in our families, and we, we want to help people. We maybe have gifts of empathy or insight or mediation that we've learned from our roles in our families. And so in many other professions, I explain in the book why you might have en- ended up doing what you do and, mm-hmm. and checking in with yourself. Is that serving you to the best of your, your ability? You know, what parts of that are working for you and what parts are constraining you and what do you want to move past? And I, I love being a therapist because I just love mirroring to people all their strengths yeah. and talents and what's beautiful about them and being that voice for them until they can internalize my voice and believe that for mm. themselves. Mm. I, I think, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that, that the, one of the paths to aware, awareness is cognitive behavioral therapy and, and that, that can, that can be a great first step for a lot of you. So, uh, if, if, if you struggle with those things, uh, having a trusted person that you can unpack that with a professional is, is a huge boon to get to the other side of it and to begin to do this process that we're overall been talking about. Uh, I've taken up a lot of your time, Joyce, and I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to ask you a couple things aside from buying the book, which is a link to where to buy the book in the show notes. You can get the financial mindset fix, a mental fitness program for an abundant life. Aside from buying the book, where can people follow up with you? JoyceMarter.com, J-O-Y-C-E. Link, I'll, put, I'll put a link to where I'll put a link to the website in the show notes. You don't have to spell it out. It's right there. Perfect. JoyceMarter.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm everywhere. Uh, link to that in the show notes. And one last question, and I ask it to everybody. What is one thing that we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Oh, my goodness. Meditate. Yeah. Five minutes. Five minutes. I'm I'm amazed. I was feeling nervous before this this podcast interview, and I I meditated for five minutes, and I could feel the tension leave my body. Mm. I felt grounded again. I felt centered and excited. It's like a reboot for the mind, the body, and the spirit. And it, it's it's just a few minutes a day, and can be life changing and transformative. You know, there's so many people that research happiness, that research uh, performance, talk about the ability to quiet your mind uh and you know whether it's prayer journaling meditation but that that thing where you are 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 kind of getting rid of the external thoughts that constant loop of feedback that we put into our brain that that is uh you you know you're not alone in in saying how important that is for our brain by the way incredibly difficult to do if you've never done it sitting quietly yeah. and focusing on your breath for just 5 minutes is a lot harder than you think. You will start going. I swear, I have thought of things that I have never thought about in 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 a decade. While I'm trying to just quiet my mind, it's like, oh, you forgot to get uh, cashew butter at the store 
15 years ago. It's like, uh, why am I thinking about it now? <laughs> That's why it's called a practice. Yeah. And none of us is perfect yeah. and it's a process, but you can really learn a lot in the process and, and cultivate physical and mental well-being. Yeah. Well, Joyce Martyr, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much, guys. Buy the book, The Financial Mindset Fix. Joyce, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Gib. It was great talking with you. I appreciate it. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps us out a lot, folks. Uh, and you know what? If you are looking to just uh, talk, hang out, whatever, hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash John Tesh. John is also at John Tesh underscore IFYL on Instagram. I'm Gib Gerard. Uh, I try to respond to everything. I'm facebook.com slash Gib Gerard at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. Links to all those social media accounts in the show notes. Uh, I try to respond to every mention of the show. Uh, I've had a couple people reach out about it because uh, ultimately I do this show for you guys. So, you know, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening.